0: Welcome to the Pink Cloud Podcast. In this weekly podcast, we offer a supportive space where women share their personal experiences of getting sober and navigating sobriety while being young. In each episode, we deliver an amazing combination of heart-to-hearts and informative interviews with sober women without judgment. This podcast is a bout of necessity for like-minded women trying to seek and maintain sobriety while achieving more in their lives. Whether it's in sobriety, relationships, career, spirituality, mental health, or health and wellness, created with sobriety, recovery, and sisterhood in mind, the Pink Cloud podcast unites the voices of phenomenal women as we share deep and inspiring conversations of hope for a bright future. Hello,
1: and welcome to the Pink Cloud podcast. My name is Lisa H., and I am your sober host. Today, we have Amy as our guest. And Amy has been sober since September 2016, and she's sharing her story today. It's very inspiring, and she's going to talk about a little bit about her anxiety in sobriety and what she's done to help that. So, Amy, take it away.
2: Thank you. So, yes, my name is Amy. And Lisa already went over my sobriety date, but I do have to point out, or feel like I should point out, that I did not just magically get sober overnight. I started my sober journey in I think December of 2014. And I was actually coming off of I was coming off of hard drugs and I was also coming off of alcohol. And so I actually have not used hard drugs since December of 2014, but I was not able to stay sober for another couple of years. I had been in and out of rooms of different recovery programs, 12-step recovery programs. And one thing for me, I'm a very emotional person by nature. I am a people pleaser by nature. And when I did not have substances in my body, I found that I did not have any kind of footing. I really, I started Mm -hmm. using and drinking at a really young age. I was about 11 years old, the first time I put a substance into my body. And instantly, I felt some relief Mm -hmm. from that substance. And after You know, so many years of that being how I regulated my emotions, I found that when I no longer had those substances in my body, you know, that I would really kind of go off the rails, as people will say about that feeling. And, you know, not being able to address sadness or specifically anxiety Mm -hmm. with some kind of substance really threw me off. It really threw me off kilter. And it prevented me in a way, it prevented me from being able to devote time and real attention to my sobriety. So, you know, what that looked like for me was I had been in the rooms. I had a sponsor in the rooms of a recovery program and most recovery programs, there are 12 steps. And I was in the process of going through these 12 steps with a sponsor And I got to this point where, you know, they talk a lot about like a higher power and finding a higher power and and being really in touch with that higher power as you're moving through the steps, you know, and I found that I got to a certain point in those steps and there were all of these outside distractions, Mm. specifically, specifically in X.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I'll back up a little bit just to talk about that. So I had a long-term relationship with a person and we were extremely codependent and we used together, we drank together. Both of us were everyday drinkers, everyday users of different drugs, hard drugs. And it took me a little bit having some sobriety to really understand that perhaps, you know, yes. I, when I share my story, sometimes I talk about how, you know, being an alcoholic, being a drug addict, it's a full-time job. And I was right back to that full-time job and I was hiding it and I was not hiding, hiding it, but I was not hiding it. Well, you know, because I was getting intoxicated and I was blacking out and my ex passed away and I ended up in a foreign country, you know, a planned trip to a second foreign country. Actually, yeah, I was drinking, I was drinking like crazy. I was trying to consume all of the rum that this rum producing country (laughs) was, was producing. (laughs) you know, and I was mean, I was, and it was never enough, right? Exactly. It wasn't. And actually something happened on that trip that I blacked out a horrible blackout. And I still, to this day, my wife will not tell me what I said to her. And so when I got back from that, you know, my wife also had started having like an emotional relationship with somebody else that eventually, eventually did turn into something more. And I had to watch that happen. And Mm -hmm. I say, had to watch that happen because, you know, I can't fix everybody else. And I left, I left my home divorce again. It was going to happen. I was absolutely Mm -hmm. sure it was going to happen, you know, but it didn't. I had played that tape forward so many times. And I mean, you want to talk about just riddled with anxiety and fear, uh, lots and lots of fear. You know, I came home, I left Tennessee, I came back to Virginia and I got hooked back in with a therapist. And ultimately I walked into this therapist's office, you know, just planning for him to admit me again. And that person turned out to be somebody that I knew. I didn't know this person's last name before Mm -hmm. I showed up at the office. But when I showed up at the office and my counselor walked out, it's actually somebody that i knew from recovery meetings and wow. you know that person said to me yeah he said <laughs> i think that i know you and i think that you know me and i think that we know where we know each other from and i said yeah and he yes. said well what are you doing in recovery basically was the question that he asked me and the answer was <laughs> barely holding on <laughs> nothing i'm not in touch i'm not in contact and And he said, you know, I'm not going to check you in anywhere. I think you know what you need to do, but I am going to go ahead and fill your prescriptions for you because I think that that's important for you Mm -hmm. to have that kind of support. And, you know, so I got on medication. I'm still on medication to Mm -hmm. this day, a lesser amount. Like the thing about medication is that once you're on it, you don't always have to be on it. You don't always have to be on the same kind. So I only take something for depression and anxiety now. I don't take anything to sleep and I talk to my doctors. I
1: speak to my doctors about how
2: I'm feeling and that kind of thing. And I'm honest. That's the thing
1: about adding in sobriety with taking care of ourselves because you're yeah. aware now you say, okay, this is not working. I'm feeling anxious. And I've done all the, I don't want to say surf cell, but all of the things that are in my control. Right. So mm-hmm. I've done my meditation. I prayed, I have reached out to someone I'm moving around. I'm exercising. I took a walk and you still have that anxiety. That's biological. There's some things mm-hmm. that we can't control, but you're sober now and you're aware. And so you're, you have that self-awareness, right. And you're like, okay, let me ask my doctor. Let me check this. Let me regulate this. Let me, and you're not like, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious wink, wink. I need more yeah. Xanax, right? I need some yeah. volume because I can't sleep at night. Yeah. It's really bad. Let me go check this doctor. You're using it as prescribed. And I know yeah. that there's the stigma around the medication, which, you know, whatever to each his own. Okay. We're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. We're just sharing our experience of what we've been through with medication. I've gone on and off medication throughout my Length of sobriety. I got off, not by choice. Uh, doctor, it was like Labor Day weekend or some holiday weekend. Yeah. I hadn't been to the doctor. I call I would call in the prescription. They're like, no, you need to come see him again. And it was, it happened to be like a and it was my fault, by the way. You know, I ran out and I'm like, oh, well, called. So I had a long weekend of detox. I was like, well, I'm already here. I might as well just because I had been wanting to get off it anyways. And so yeah. I did It was fine, but I mean, medication is necessary sometimes and needed. And I think that it's great that you're using your recovery program, medication, therapy, and all of that, everything included for your health.
2: Yeah. And it's a good thing that that you mentioned meditation. So I'm a person who's been around like self-help books and things like that my entire life. And, you know, meditation is a part of, recovery programs, the Mm -hmm. recovery programs that I've been exposed to also. And that is also something that I have worked into my program. And I find that when I am not taking time to actively meditate and actively pray, I do find that I feel that unbalance, that unsteadiness again in my life. And, and that's even with medication. And I also find that when I'm not exercising, you know, if I'm not exercising regularly, and I don't mean like pumping huge amounts of iron, and I don't mean being super focused on the diet. I mean, just taking a walk, like walking.
1: Just my moving. Dog. Yeah, just moving yes. your body.
2: Yeah, exactly. I have to do that as well. And in preparation for this talking to you, Lisa, I actually asked my wife about my anxiety. And, you know, is it better? And she really didn't say yes or no, (laughs) because I'm a person that fills white space. And that I think is also something that comes from, you know, from a recovery program, because I've been taught to keep myself busy. You know, I cannot be, I can't be super idle. I have to be okay. I had to learn how to be by myself. And I do have to be okay with some alone time, but I will fill my day often in service to other people. I don't often ask for help to her annoyance because she's the (laughs) one who feels the brunt of that. But I can give a really good example of anxiety in sobriety and what that feels like for me and what it looks like. And in my active addiction and drinking, I could ride in the car with my mother and with my wife because I've known her for so long. And I would be totally fine, but they were like the only people that I trusted to drive me around where I wouldn't be like super nervous. And in sobriety, I'm nervous when anybody else is driving because I'm not (laughs) in control. I think it's because I'm not in control, but that was a big, even still to this day, it drives my wife crazy because, you know, I'm so jolted in a vehicle and not being subdued by yes. substance or alcohol. And I don't know if that's something that's ever really going to go away, honestly. But that was like the big thing that I noticed in my life that I'm so I'm so so anxious about that. And I never remember being anxious about those trips before, which I don't know, that's just something that's something that has definitely changed in my life, like as a result of getting sober. And yeah. that's okay. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that's, it's okay. I don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to be afraid of like, if my wife gets mad at me because I'm being too jumpy in the car, it's like, it's okay. But to hit a little more on like having to deal with my anxiety Mm -hmm. in like healthy ways. Another thing that I have to do is I have to talk about it. I cannot stay silent about feeling uneasy because Because anxiety
1: boils down to fear. Yes. And when we hold those fears in, it's like, oh my gosh, something's under bed. You know, you wake up at night and there's something, under. I know there's something under my bed. And then you turn on the light, right? Which is calling someone you look and there's nothing under the bed and it's just a dream. It's just all made up in your head. And so we have these fears. You talk about them. You kind of sound crazy because you're crazy looking under the bed for something. There's no one under the bed. It's a boogie man. There's nothing under there, right? It's the same thing with our fears. I'm afraid in the car. Like, okay, Amy, like, what are you really afraid of? You know, what do you think is going to happen with, if you're not driving, you think that you're going to crash? Well, how many car accidents have you been in? Who's the person? I mean, if you really nail it down to that, it's like, "Mm, it's probably going to be okay. Right. Most of the stuff that we're anxious about is we're projecting on the future. What if this happens? What if, how's this going to turn out? Or we're like, what if I lose this? What if I can't, what if, what if, and it's just really boils down to fear. And what takes the power away from the fears is talking to somebody else who can calm you down give a little bit of rational advice and just some comfort. And then you go on with your day. Yeah.
2: And before I could never get over that irrationality or I could never get to the point where my fear is irrational. Yeah. Like if I talk about this thing, I'm going to lose this person forever. If I tell them how I really feel about it, like putting that expectation that this person is going to like leave me, yeah. you know, like the sphere, so the it all the way out. Right. Oh so you're, yeah. 100%. So
1: you're thinking about the fear and then you're telling, you're thinking about talking to someone about it and then what they're going to say and then what you're going to do. And this is whole like yeah plan going on in your head, this whole play, yeah. this movie, yeah. and you already know what's going to happen. And then you'll be so depressed yeah. after and this and yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And a hundred percent, like in my experience, that's, has not happened. You know, it, that's not to say that it won't happen for somebody else. You know, I had to learn how to communicate. I do have to point that out. Also, I didn't just all of a sudden start vomiting all over the place. I probably would have without the guidance from somebody in a recovery program. But I really had to learn how to communicate. And like I said, you know, when I first started talking, I didn't know how to listen. Part of communication is also listening and and learning how to have this like, cooperative situation going on with people. And that's not just in like my marriage that goes for communicating with other just people in as life. well.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think like the more time that goes on and the more time we're sober and we are doing these healthy things, we see the results of them. And so that's what keeps us going for me, yeah. learning how to communicate in a healthy way because I would either hold it in or blow up. And so, but learning that middle ground and then actually making progress on it or getting, you know, a good result from, it's like, okay, that's good. Let me continue to do that. Where before it was like, I was either, you know, pounding my fists and just screaming and I want this, I need this. And that was the way I communicate, just screaming or just not saying anything. And, you know, that didn't ultimately work either, but yeah, we had to learn how to, live really amongst people. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're so selfish, especially when we're using and drinking, we're just selfish people by kind of by nature. It's like a selfish disease. The disease of addiction is really a selfish thing. It's like me, how do I feel better? What do I need to do? My needs need to get met. I need to feel good and comfortable all the time. And I don't know yeah. how to not be comfortable. And so yeah. communicating and someone else getting their way and us not getting our way is not the normal. So yeah, yeah it just happens. I think over time. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for sharing. Your story is so enlightening and you just touched on so many things about, you know, anxiety and how you're still staying sober. You know, even though you still do have a little bit of the anxiety, you're still managing it. You've done all the right things. You put the right stuff in place and you're still doing it.
0: So thank you so much.
1: And thanks guys. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Pink Cloud Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. We'll catch you in the next episode.